0: truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then the second part of the book is now apply the truth. And now it's it's incumbent upon us with our choice and our effort to add to our faith diligently. And he says just looking at the mercies of God, not even talking about the love and the grace and the forgiveness and his kindness and his compassion, just by looking at his mercies, we should be willing to give our entire bodies as a living sacrifice, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we would be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And now the rest of chapter 12, he's just sort of giving, you know, what's that look like? A lot of times we need help that way. You know, we, we, we can't sort of visualize it. We can't sort of, you know, have the idea. We just really need some real specifics. And so that's what he does here. In the rest of the chapter, just let me give you some one liners, if you would, of uh, some specifics of how this might apply to you. And so <clears throat> he says in verse 3 I say through the grace given to me. So what I'm doing is I'm exercising my gift as the Apostle Paul, as a prophet, as a teacher. And by the grace of God, I'm doing this, this this writing this letter and ministering to you who are in Rome. It's through the power of God's grace. It's easy for me because it's it's God's grace. And then he goes on to say to everyone who is among you. The first thing is not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So Paul starts out by saying that the first thing is is see things as they really are. Soberly, he says. um, Realistically, that that you you see things in, in its proper proportion. You know, the the devil knows how powerful the body of Christ is, the church. And the devil's got to be one of his top priorities is to try to weaken the church, divide and conquer the church, minimize the church. And, and one of the ways is by taking people, and on one hand, they, they have sort of a, an arrogance about themselves, saying, you know, I, I'm strong, and I'm healthy, and I'm good, and, you know, the church is full of a bunch of losers down there, and, you know, I'm sort of a head and shoulders above them. Well, you've got to remember, 1 Corinthians says, look at our calling, brethren, not many noble, not many mighty. God's chosen the weak things, the basings of this world. So, yes, the church is full of a bunch of misfits. I I I wouldn't I wouldn't even try to fight that, but what does God take a bunch of misfits and do? He strengthens us, and when we are used in power and might, and used in these anointed and fruitful ways, nobody says, "Wow, they're amazing people down there." I can never compare. They know it's like they are amazing. The church is amazing, but it's God there 's no doubt about it 's God because they 're weak they 're abased they 're not mighty in and of themselves they 're not the, the noble and the rich and the rich and the famous and no there 's just regular people, maybe even the, the bottom of a regular people and, and but yet it 's a mighty thing that god 's doing, not because they 're the most talented or the best singers or the smartest it 's because god 's amongst them and so on, on one hand, you don 't want to say. I'm individually of myself strong and I can study the Bible and I can I can make it on my own No We are individuals. Yes, but we are members of one body and we need each other It's like you take one coal away from the fire and put it by itself. It'll go out the coals have to be with the other coals in the fire to stay hot and burning and so if that applies to you, you think maybe that, you know, you can go to church once a month or five times a year or, or once a week even. You know what? It's just it's a unique thing. I mean, Sunday morning is a unique thing that God does. Sunday night is a unique thing. Home fellowships is a unique thing. And, 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 and to say that, you know, I only need one of those, I, I really would stop and just, and just try to help you understand this morning how amazing God's church is. And Satan is doing anything and everything he can to minimize the church. The church is a full of a bunch of hypocrites. The church is full of a bunch of losers. The church is full of a bunch of, you know, whatever, trying to, to make it seem what we're doing here now is, is minimal. It is not, guys. This is substantial. And it's powerful. And, you know, the other thing that I find interesting as I've traveled through the world is that in every country I've been to, going to church is the highlight of people's lives. It's the the main thing of the week. They they revolve from one time of getting together to the church to the next week of getting together to the church. Or within that week, it's, it's not like some minimal thing that they gotta do and, you know, sort of like a chore. Go to church, I hope it's quick and get it over with and try to not talk to people and get out of there as quick as I can to get back to my real life. I don't wanna not go to church, I wanna be heathen and I'm always glad I went because I get something out of it but, you know, <clears throat> it's always this chore, this painful, difficult thing and, you know what? It's simply an attitude and I think a lot of it is just spiritual oppression, of letting Satan's thoughts permeate our thoughts into minimizing each other minimizing what God's doing here congregationally and, and we need to tear down those strongholds of Satan and, and, and rearrange things and you know we, we, we I think we let things creep in the, the desires for other things and, and all of the, the cares of this life come in and choke out what God is wanting to do in the church, and so if you get a bunch of people here together who are sort of saying, "Man, I want to come in late i don 't want to talk to anybody, get the last couple of songs, try to you know sit in the back, get out of here in the middle of the prayer and you know and, and that I think that spirit permeates. I think people come in and go, "Man, people really don't want to be there, and their main goal is to get in and out as quick as they can i think I think that atmosphere permeates and it's wrong on the same hand if you got people that are just excited to be here and that's what you see when you go to the parts of the world maybe you get there an hour two hours earlier they just can't fellowship enough they can't pray with each other enough you know they they want to worship longer and hear a couple of sermons and 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 they, they just linger and linger until oh it's over i gotta go i wish it didn't end that also permeates and it's just a mentality that I think we need to fight against in our culture and, and the mentality of, you know, the church-going Bible Belt mentality that, that's bringing death to Christianity, that we need to change that. And to say the, the most important thing we have going on on planet Earth is, is the church. I mean, think about it. Christ said, I will build my church. Christ says, I love the church. I died for the church. The church is my bride. Jesus is focused on the church to wash it and cleanse it and and make it without spot and blemish. It's his bride. We, We go through the New Testament and you you see the importance of the church and how powerful it is to the Lord. It's in Timothy it says it's the pillar and the ground of the truth. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. You understand, we are the wall holding back the demonic principalities and powers and all the demonic thinking. We, we are the ones holding back the flood uh, of Satan's mindset. We are the pillar of the crown of the truth. And try to take away the church. As many countries no longer have a vibrant Christian church. As once was in Germany. Or England or whatever. And you look at those cultures now. And and they are just prey for the devil. They're prey with with just secularism. They're prey with now the Muslim Muslim religion. Just infiltrating it and overtaking it. And to try to, to come to understand that we need to rearrange our thinking to say this is a powerful and important place and what we're doing here, just come with the full, we're going to get later in Romans next week, we're going to see, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. How we just need to come with a fervency to worship, a fervency to speak into one another's lives and, and to rearrange our thinking there And so we need to have a a, a correct measure of of how we observe ourselves in the midst of this. You are individually a member. Now, on one hand, people, I I think, would say, well, you know, I'm I'm sort of good the way I am. And yeah, the church is sort of a nice addition here and there. It strengthens me a little bit here and there, but I'm pretty self-sufficient without the church. I can make it pretty well without it. That's a lie. On the other hand, you have the people who are, you know, saying, well, I'm really a nobody. And, you know, if I didn't show up, nobody would even notice. And, you know, I do a little bit and it's really nothing significant. Anybody could do what I do. And, you know, you know what? That that on both ends, it's it's wrong to be arrogant, to think that that you don't need it or to think that you're nobody, that nobody really needs you. Both of those are a lie. You know, you say, okay, all you are is a little toenail. Have you ever lost a toenail? (laughs) The whole body is affected by that toenail. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're just a little toenail, but you are an important part of the body. You know, and this is where we go into 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll try to to, to not preach 1 Corinthians 12 right now, but, you know, it, it talks about how we are all individually members. One's an eye, one's an ear, one's a hand, one's a foot. Can the eye say, I don't need the rest of the body? Where would the hearing be? Can the foot say, I don't need the rest of the body? No. I mean, every part of the body, it looks pretty neat. A guy without a, a hand, it's not a good thing. Or a hand by itself is not a good thing. A hand connected to the body is a good thing. And, and, and so to understand that, yeah, you're just a hand, just one little part of the body. But when you're not there, believe me, you're missed. And to not let the devil lie to you how powerful your presence. You know, let's just not even talk about what you do. Do you understand the power of presence? If you've ever visited somebody in a hospital or an old folks home or somebody who's grieving, you don't have to say a word. You don't have to do a thing. Just being there in a chair. Your presence is a powerful and strengthening, calming, healing thing. Right? Because we're spirit. It's not just you and your body showing up. You are a spiritual person. You're a soulish person. And your spirit being present, your soul being present, Well, I don't sing so well. It doesn't matter. It's not just your voice we're hearing. It's your spirit crying out to God, joining in the choir. That's significant. You say, well, all I do is greet people. Understand, we understand in the physical realm how unique we are DNA, right? I mean, you take one hair, there's never going to be a hair like this ever on the planet again. The thickness, the texture, the angles... The DNA in that hair is completely unique. The fingerprint, right? The eye, the ear, every part of our body is is unique. Let me tell you, the same with your touch. Your touch on somebody's shoulder is, is a unique DNA. Well, anybody can tell somebody I appreciate them, but you telling them it's different. I mean, imagine if you had little kids and and you know, let's say at my house I had my kids are small again. They're, they're not. But, you know, all of a sudden, some strange guy walks in and starts tucking them in the bed. My kids are looking at me going, Who are you? Well, I'm your dad now. You know, we replaced one big fat white guy with another big fat white guy, and it, it's all the same thing. One fat white guy's like, Oh, the rest of the wife. You know, what would the kids say? It's like, I want my dad. Well, it doesn't matter. This is it now. Would that work? Of course it wouldn't work. Nobody else can replace that. And so in the same way in the body of Christ, to think that, that you're minimal or, or it's insignificant, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. Now here's the point I, I, I want to try to make here. Understand you are individually important. And, and he says here, be soberly and understand this. I'm asking you to sober up today. On the arrogant side, understand, you can't make it on your own. You think you're doing well. I can't tell you how many times people think they're doing so wonderful spiritually and they're not fruitful. They're not a blessing. They're in the flesh. They're compromising. But it's like that that, that verse in the Old Testament says, the drunkard believes he's going to be counted along with the sober. You're, You're not where you need to be. On the other hand, to say, it doesn't matter if I show up and you're depressed and you think that what you're doing is insignificant, that's not true either. But think about it a minute. <coughs> if you soberly understand, I'm an individual, but yet I am in uniquely important to the body. And I'm not going to show up to church you know, like a, like a, a, a lump on the log I'm going to show up as if my presence matters. And it does. And you show up with a fervence of spirit to greet one another. Now, that's the thing I, I hear on a regular basis. I'm so uncomfortable meeting people. I'm so uncomfortable talking to people. Everybody is. It doesn't matter same, matter what the personality is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what you hear stories where people come in and, and they were greeted by somebody and said, hey, I'm so-and-so, how are you doing? And and how powerful that was. It's like, wow, people actually noticed me and wanted to know my name and, and greeted me here. Well, do the flip side of that coin. People come, they walk by 100 people, walk out, and nobody said anything to them. Do you understand how one is powerfully Helpful and fruitful and healing. And the other is just amazingly tragic. In the same way. If you come here and just sort of. You know try to try to be invisible. And it's all about me. I'm going to go and hope the music blesses me. Hope the sermon blesses me. I hope nobody talks to me. That would bless me. You know And. That, that whole self-consumerism, you know, that self-centeredism, it, it, it's just so amazingly negative. But on the, the opposite, you come in and say, it's not about me. I'm coming to bless the Lord. I hope the worship blesses Him. I, I'm coming to let the Lord speak to me what He wants me to hear to strengthen my life for His glory. I'm here to, to touch and bless other people. It's not whether I leave here comfortable or, you know, outside of my comfort zone. I'm gonna, I want to come and, and see how God can use me to touch people's lives. I want to shake as many hands as I can. I want to put my hand on many shoulders as I can. I want to hug as many as I can. God's been speaking this verse to my heart this week. I want to just shower that on people. Here's what God's been sharing with me. You come and worship and your hands are lifted. Your hands are clapping. You're just, I'm, I'm just, with, you know, like David talked about, you know, all that's within me. I want to bless your name. And you're, you're coming here to, to, to be a minister. And imagine if 100% came with that spirit, that fervency. Do you understand how powerfully dynamic that would be? That's the church. You are uniquely and individually, and no matter how small what you do may seem in your eyes, it's not a small thing. I was talking to uh, one of our leaders just a, a few weeks ago, and he's a relatively young man, but he's been teaching Sunday school, not 20 years, but close to that. And he was just saying, it's, it's just amazing the connection I have with these people that I taught Sunday school. Now they're in their 20s, <laughs> you know, and they have their own kids in many cases. And they're teaching Sunday school next to me. But they love me with such a deep love. Because at seven years old, I was the first one to speak that doctrine into their life. And, and there's such a connection there. And I can't tell you how fulfilling that is, to have that connection with these young people in the church and now we're having, getting married and having their kids and they just love me and I love them. And it's just such a, a powerful thing and that's the thing about time. It just goes by so quick, doesn't it? So you're pouring your life into this person and that person and 10 years go by, 20 years goes by and, and you have, you know, just little by little as a turtle but you've, you have affected hundreds and those hundreds have affected thousands and those thousands it's, it's amazing how you, this one little fingernail, <laughs> has just pushed the one domino that's just blessed so many people. And so to understand as God looks upon this earth, one of his treasures is the church. One of his focuses is the church. Church. And the church being dynamic is amazingly a blessing to God. Look in the revelation when a church isn't loving God or isn't on fire for God. It's a radical grief to him. I don't want the lukewarm church. I don't want the church that's lost its first love. And he says it's you. Figure it out. Find out where you lost your first love. Get back there. You're lukewarm. Repent quickly and, and ask me to heal you. But I can't stand it this way. I'm going to yank the candlestick away. And, and it's important that every one of us don't get the mentality, well, long as there's a core of people on fire for the Lord, I'll just sort of jump on their coattails and let them drag me along. No. Ephesians 4 talks about how every part does its share causes the growth of the body you know it's interesting when you look at just mathematically the stats like they there was one i saw a few years ago that everyone who just goes to church on sunday morning tithed in one year every mortgage of every church building in america would be paid off the next year we would cure world hunger in two years it's amazing when you look at these things and, and to realize just that that's just the area of mathematics, if you would, looking at the numbers of finances. But what about time? What about the energy of pouring into one another's life? When one's hurting, we all hurt. When one's rejoicing, we all rejoice. How do you measure that? Everybody is wanting to minister to the children. Everybody's wanting to... To be a witness. Everybody's discipling new Christians. You know, in these last few months, it's just been extraordinary. The people that have gotten saved. I, I, you know, I've been here pastoring 25 years this last September. And we've seen a lot of people come to Christ. But we have seen devout atheists come to Christ. Christian scientists, Scientologists. I mean, people that were just in deep darkness and they came to church and their their conversion is just powerful. Last Sunday night we had a brother get baptized and it was just he just came to Christ and he had just read about being baptized and we announced it and there was such a joy and I can't I can't explain it to you. And when he got baptized and he came out and everybody was applauding, it was he 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 was just overwhelmed. And the applaud wasn't people humanly saying, Hey, that's cool. It was it was spiritual. It was like heaven rejoicing. And it was, it was just, I was there in the water with him, and it was just, it was like the heavens opened up. It was just a joy of God, joy of the angels, joy of God's people. It was just, it was just so powerful. It's Words can't explain it. And so Paul here is saying, now that you're giving your body as a living sacrifice, the top of your priority As giving your body as a living sacrifice is understanding giving yourself sacrificially to one another, to the church, to the body. He uses the word here, one body, one another, three times to understand that we are not okay by ourselves, that we are connected, and to understand that we need to meld in to one body body and to understand that and honestly if you just if everybody would hear would say I got that we're one body I'm an important member of that one body I'll just quit right now the sermon but I I, I'm not convinced you know I do do, you got that do you understand that you can't take little breaks and hiatuses and you know be hot and cold and come and go that that we are one body and like if I were to take a chainsaw and start cutting up your body you know, how would, that, how would that work for you? In the same way, for you just to be an arm and disconnect and go laying over in the woods there, an arm by itself, how freaky that would be. You can't do that. That we need to give ourselves to one another willingly, sacrificially, surrendered. This is the will of God concerning you. And then in verse 6 here, this one body, individually, we all, First Corinthians 12 says, God gives all of his gifts individually as he wills. So God gives us gifts. Every one of us are given spiritual gifts. You didn't earn it. It's not talking about maturity. Now, let me tell you, as you grow in maturity, you're able to function with those gifts at a higher, more fruitful level. But these gifts are, are, are just like the color of your eyes or your height or the, you know, you, you can't you can't say, uh, you know, I'm 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 really proud of the way my ear looks. <laughs> it's just it was given to you that way, right? In the same way, these gifts are, are just given to you. It's not about you and 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 that somehow you can be prideful, but God's giving you a gift. And he says with that gift, it's uniquely it says differing. If you would just think it's unique Your gift, even though it may be a teaching gift, like a lot of other people have a teaching gift, but when you teach, it's not like anybody else teaching. Nobody can replace what you do. And then he goes on to say there in verse six, so according to what? The grace that's given to it, here's four important words. Let us use them. Guys, underline that. Go get a tattoo with that. Whatever it takes. Write it on your refrigerator. Don't take your candle and put it under a bush. Put it up on a, a, a table where the candle can be used through the whole house. God's given you gifts. Use them. According to the grace. See, that's the thing. When we are given these gifts, it's like we use them. And even though we're giving ourselves sacrificially, even though it takes up a lot of time, takes a lot of energy, it's like nothing to us. It doesn't feel like, oh, it was this horrible, difficult, burdensome thing. When we're in the grace doing what God's calling us to do, it's just easy. It's a blessing. I'm not saying there's not time we have to, you know, beat our body in subjection and be diligent with it. I'm not saying that but when we're in the grace of what God's called us to do you know you had Brett up here leading worship it's it's something he can do it's a gift he's not up there and every chord is like oh this is so difficult and every note's so hard and it's 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 the grace just let it flow i'm up here teaching right now and yeah I, a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of prayer a lot of study went into it and there's points where it was effort and labor of love but, but yet at the same time, it it's just flows. It's a joy. It's a, it's, it's, there's just such a strength of God behind it. Every one of us has not only maybe one area, but several areas of our life like that. And you do what God's called you to do, and he just gives you his strength, his power, his love, his grace. With that, do it. And for example, if prophecy... Let us prophesy to the portion uh, to your faith. Now, the word prophecy can can go either way. One, it's a a foretelling, what you would think of, sort of speaking the future. We have many examples of this in the book of Acts where where people, God gives them a glimpse of the future that they can share with others to help them to make better choices in the present. But then there's also the foretelling. You're speaking the word of God, but there's a power with it Peter says, "It's as if you were speaking the very oracles of God. And so you have this theme or this message or this verse on your heart that you're sharing with somebody. And it's right out of the Bible or it's no new idea. But yet, as you speak it, it's as if God himself were just climbed inside your body and is speaking it to this person. And it's like, whoa, thus saith the Lord. Now it says, let it be according to your faith. You know, as you walk and mature in the Lord, you, you, you grow in experience and you grow in hearing the Lord and knowing the Lord. And, and there a, there's a, comes a point where it's like, I know this is God. And there's a confidence. I can say, thus saith the Lord. This is a word of God for you. And there's no doubt in my mind that God's given me. That there's a faith. But at, at first, you know, people are like, man, I got this thing on my heart and I feel like I need to share it with you and probably it's not from the Lord. I don't know. It's probably from me, you know. Uh, it's, you know, too much pizza last night or whatever, but, you know, I'm just going to share this with you and and feel free to ignore me and never talk to me again, but here it is, you know. Uh, let, according to your faith. <laughs> but do it. Don't, don't not do it. Don't say, I'm not going to share it because it might not be from the Lord and, and, and just... Like No, if you have a foretelling or a foretelling, share it according to your faith. Maybe, again, you're not great confidence that it's from the Lord, but yet it's so heavy upon your heart to share it, share it. Or in ministry, let us use it in our ministry. The doulos, the, the, the practical ministering to people. You know, it's, it's so wonderful in the church as you're connected in the church. When a lady has a baby or somebody's sick, The church rallies around and brings meals to them and and comes and cleans their houses and watches their kids and and, and ministers to one another in in practical ways. We have just groups of people that show up here early, early on Sunday morning and get the tables out, get the food ready and get the classrooms and the air conditioner heating on or get the, you know, the coffee ready and get things swept up and cleaned up and laid out and, and it's just... People walk in and they just expect it. (laughs) I just expect it all to be organized and ready to go. But it's people who put hours and, and, you know, it's Sunday mornings, they're Sunday morning too. It's their day of relaxation too. But yet, rather than relaxing, they got up early and they got here. And there's just a practical ministering to the saints. And then also he who teaches in his teaching and Uh, I think we know what that means, self-explanatory. He who exhorts in his exhortation. You know, I I have a gift of teaching with exhortation. So often I'm sort of a cheerleader and I have to sort of tone it down and make sure I don't you know, get on my hobby horse and stay there all sermon. But it, it's, it's, there's a power of God that exhorts people, not just to say, love your wife, but then there's a, a, an exhortation to get a vision and, and, and to stir their hearts. I love that verse in Hebrew. It says to stir up one another to love and good works. And that's what the gift of exhortation does. It causes the, the blood to boil. It causes the, the heart to burn. It causes them to say, I'm going to act upon what I know to do. And, and here again, we often have that, that gift and we need to use it towards one another to exhort them whatever uh, the practical way to uh, relationships or ministry or witnessing or uh, pursuing God in whatever way that might be. And also in verse eight, he who gives with liberality. There's people that just, they can't hang on to what's given to them. A lot of times they're poor people. lot sometimes they're rich people but they're just this funnel where where just god pours in and they just pour right back out and they just have no problem giving of themselves you know i've seen people that have beautiful houses but yet people come and just trample their house and break their things and they don't care come come i mean i just want to give I have a house I want to use it I have a car you can borrow it I have some money here it is they just they, they want to just they just have a gift to just want to meet the urgent needs and and meet the needs of the saints and meet the needs of the church you know it was neat this year uh, a brother came and said I just saw on my heart to, to put a baptism in the the church and you know it was so funny because we're like yeah we've won one. it's one of the things that's on our list and Yeah, well, that's on your heart. We'll do that. But it was funny because, you know, we meet down at uh, the J Street. We usually have at least three or maybe four times we get together and have baptisms. Well, all the churches through the years have saw us down there having baptisms. And they thought, oh, we should go down and have a baptism. And so all the other churches took up our dates. (laughs) And so we only had one date at the very end of the summer. So without the baptismal, we wouldn't have been able to baptize. But yet that first Sunday night when we baptized... You know, I know God, I know being baptized in water is important, but I had no idea how important that was to God. Our first baptism, it was such a, an amazing joy of the Lord and his presence in that service. And, you know, we had six people here, 10 people here, two people here, one person here. All summer long, we just kept baptizing. we're doing it now once a month, the first of every month. But it was such a, a neat thing, just to, how, how again, he who gives, give liberally with joy and to see the blessings of God uh, really through one person's gift of giving brought, brought celebration to the whole body and, and to the Lord. He who leads, notice there, with diligence. The one thing that you find common denominator amongst leaders is they quickly realize it's not worth it. You know, they often think, I'm going to lead and there's going to be so many benefits and perks and blessings to this. You know, the, the, the difficulty of being a leader, it, it'll be outweighed with the benefits of being a leader. It's not that way. Being a leader, the benefits do not outweigh the, the service. And, and people give themselves as leaders and there's very little benefit to it. But in First Peter, he says, God's taking note of us and there's a crown for leaders who have given themselves in a, in a diligent way. And so you're leading not because there's perks and people are going to look up to you and you get to be in charge. It's because you can't not not lead. That's your calling. And so he's saying here, as a leader, even though it gets burdensome and even though it's people taking advantage of you and you're not appreciated and people just have expectations of you and, and it sort of you know burdens you down in a lot of ways, Keep up the diligence, not because it's a benefit, not because people are being blessed, but because you're doing it as unto the Lord. Get your eyes on the Lord and be the person that God's called you to be for no other reason. Do it diligently. In the same way, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I see this, the the ministry of mercy as a counselor. It's interesting how there's people that just have the DNA that people wanna share with you their, their heart, their burdens. And often you see that's how leaders get raised up. It's like, hey, can I talk to you a minute? It's like, sure. And they unburden themselves with their difficulties and their hardships. And then they pray with them or give them counsel or share the word with them or give them direction. But when you hear people's hardships and burdens and hardships and burdens and everybody's loading on you, God will give you grace. You see, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't say, oh, I'm tired of hearing everybody's problems. No, be cheerful. That's your gift. God will give you a grace. Yeah, for any other buddy, it would smash them, but not you. Because God's given you the gift of mercy. God's given you the gift of compassion. God's given you the ability to take on everybody else's problems and burdens and hardships and give them direction and share the word and pray with them. Do it cheerfully. Don't say, oh, here's another guy who wants to share his burdens with me. No, share it with me. I can handle it. God's given me grace. And with that, I just want to joyfully, uh, if you would, sort of live in the trash dump, you know? But it's okay. I'm joyful there because that's the ministry God's given me. Well, there's a whole other aspect to this that we're going to look at next time. But... uh, in a very practical way, as we sort of go through these one-liners, let 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 the Lord stir you up, and I I exhort you: g- give it a three months, give it six months, give it a year. A- ask yourself, just say to yourself, let's let's just make the body of Christ a priority. Let's let's make going to church a priority. Let's you know what, convince the wife, the kids, the husband, and just say. I'll guarantee you, if you give yourself fervently to the Lord, fervently connect to the body in the way you've never connected to the body, give it three months, give it six months, give it a year, whatever you have grace and faith to do, at the end of that time, you won't stop it. You won't stop it. Because you will see that's where you were meant to be. Yes, it will benefit you, but even more so, What a benefit and you will be to others and what a fruitful life you will be. Come and fight for the front row. (laughs) Come and just worship God not because you feel like it, not because you have the energy, not because it feels good to your flesh, but because God's worthy of it and because this is his bride and I'm going to love the bride of Christ the way Christ loves the bride of Christ and I want to love what God loves to the degree he loves it and I want to to see through God's eyes the way he sees the church and and to to not minimize the church but value the church to the degree Christ values the church. And I want to use my gifts and I want to be that person that God has intended me to be. Our life is so short on earth. I just just ask you to test and see. Come back tonight. Come with a fervent heart. And see what God might do. Lord we thank you again for this morning. And we know where we're at. And the word is where we're at. We know there's just some powerful things here today. That that you are exhorting the body. Today was pretty much a, a message of exhortation. As we go line upon line. But Lord we ask today. That those who have sort of a crusty old heart. That crust would kick off. Those who are think they see fine. But they're blind. Lord give them eye salve today. Those who think they're Fairly clothed, but they're naked, Lord, give them clothing today. Let every one of us, Lord, wherever we're on our pilgrimage, have a zealous heart to do more love and good works, especially in the body. That you would be our priority and your church would be our priority as you have called it to be. Lord, we ask today that by the power of your word you would break down the strongholds of Satan the strongholds of him minimizing this beautiful, beautiful bride of Christ of yours. And we would come back to see that this is a treasure to you on this earth. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen, amen. And Feel free to take a moment and share with one another what God spoke to you today and, and uh, have a wonderful day in Jesus. Bye-bye.